Good morning, Centerway Church. Good morning. I'm Claude. <laughs> Good morning. This is going to be great. I'm Meredith, and we're the lead pastors at Centerway. How you doing? I'm good. I'm missing everybody. How about you? Yes, terribly. Yes, we miss you. Um, Claude's going to be sharing from the Bible today, so I'm just going to take a quick second to uh, share kind of our heart during this season. Um, we want to be clear. We we don't think that what we're doing today is like bringing church to you. Um, you know, church isn't just hearing messages and singing songs and giving, although we highly value those things, those are things that a church does, not what a church is. And so we don't think this is um, some sort of substitute for what we typically typically get to do. Um, but the church is spirit-led, gospel-centered, disciple-making people uh, who are stewarding their lives daily, not just 75 minutes on a Sunday morning. Yeah. Um, and so while we're not pretending like being apart is just fine or that you know being in pajamas is better than being in a room together, it's not, it's, it's just not. Um, but we are confident and excited uh, to continue to grow together because we're not doing church, we're being the church. And yeah. so we know there's great opportunity to grow during this season. Um, and one of those reasons is because that this has not taken God by surprise. He's not thrown off by this, not shaken by this. And another reason is that we know that you know how to be the church. And so that's always been part of our culture at Centerway, which mm. side note, yeah, our half birthday is coming up this week, 18 months. Excited about that. Happy birthday, Centerway Church. Half birthday. Um, <laughs> How but, many services? Have we had 100 services yet? I have no idea. We'll, have to, we'll get back to you on that. Um, but we, uh, where was I? Oh, our culture. That's what led me to the half birthday thing. Our culture has always been from day one to be the church, um, not just do church. And so as much as we love to be together and we prioritize being together, it certainly yeah. is a biblical mandate. Um, and we really can't wait to be together again. The fact is the majority of our time being the church is actually spent apart from each other anyway. Yeah. Um, our time being the church on a Sunday is very short compared to the, the rest of the week when you're on mission yeah. and you're striving to be gospel centered influencers in every sphere of life. And so we're confident, we're excited about the season. We're still saying we can't believe we get to do this. Um, and we just want to encourage you that we're praying for you. Our team is praying for you. We have some creative ideas for the upcoming weeks or months or however long this lasts. And we just want to encourage you to continue to be farsighted um, during this difficult time. That being said, if we don't have your information, yes. we need it. Yes. And I'm actually getting to that right now. Okay. So uh, unfortunately, I just have to run through some logistical items, uh, kind of announcements, if you will. Um, but this is for those that um, regularly attend Saturday, and those might be listening for the first time. However, you found us welcome. We're glad you're here. Um, but like Claude said, if you haven't given us your information, whether you've attended Centerway or not, um, you can do that via our website, the Next Steps page. There's a form to fill out there. Um, if you'd like to email us for any reason, email connect at centerwaychurch.com, whether that's to, you could give us your information there if you want, or if you have ideas how we could collectively serve the community, or if there's any way we can serve you, if you are in need of assistance, uh, we would love to be able to do that. Um, we want to let you know that on the messages page of our website, there are um, multiple ways to access, different formats to access what the message you're about to hear. So you may have already connected uh, through that this morning to, to be hearing this, um, but if not, that's a great place to go. Also on that messages page, uh, two other things to point out. Um, there are wallpapers on there uh, with the, this week's application question on it uh, for your desktop or your mobile device. That would be a great way to keep that in front of you. And also uh, the Monday, Wednesday to fr Friday devotionals will be added throughout the week um, with that morning. And we'll have the kids. 
Yes, thank you. You're and, welcome. And we'll have, um, we don't typically do that, a separate um, recorded kids message, but we do have that for your kiddos, Karen's your center kids. snapping off some truth. She did. It right was great. She already did it, and it was wonderful, and your kids are going to love it. Um, but speaking of devotionals, if you would rather get them right to your inbox, you can sign up for that also on the Next Steps page of the website. A um, couple more things. We would really encourage you to follow along um, with our Spotify playlist. We have um, a new Spotify playlist for each series that we do. Like we already mentioned, we're in a Farsighted yeah. um, series. And so the songs that we would be singing together that we have sung together throughout the series, they're on that playlist and you're going to want to uh, follow along with that. And you can also connect with us on social media. We're certainly going to be uh, pretty vocal in these next days and weeks, letting you know what's to come. And um, we're excited about that. And make sure that we have your address, an up-to-date yes. address, because we have some oh, pretty cool yes. ideas, some things to mail to you. So if you don't give us your address, you will miss out That's true. terribly. That's true. So what's going to happen today is uh, we're going to pray, and I'm going to read scripture, and then Claude is going to share from the Bible. So why don't you pray for us? Boom. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're grateful that you um, are in our presence, wherever it is that we're gathered, and whether we're amongst friends or family, or even just <laughs> alone, uh, maybe listening to this message or watching, God, that your presence is with us. And so we pray uh, this morning or uh, wherever we may find ourselves that you would reveal yourself in profound Yes, new and deep ways, Lord, that we simply declare ourselves available for a move of your spirit in and through mm -hmm. our lives, that we would hear from you, the living God, and be forever transformed as a result. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So today we are reading from Hebrews chapter 12, the first three verses. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, mm. despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Thanks, Meredith. You're welcome. Don't mess up. I'll try and do my best. As uh, she stole my line there. Um, as already mentioned, we're continuing a series called Farsighted. And uh, this morning's message is actually entitled Victory. So Farsighted Victory. Have you ever had um, a moment of brilliance? Like a moment that seems to just transcend time almost? Like the world kind of stands still and it's like your moment to shine? I had this incredible moment. I was in elementary school. I'm not exactly sure what grade I was in or what age I was, but we were playing dodgeball. And uh, that was, of course, before it was illegally outlawed because of the violent, vile sport that it is, where I was old enough to be able to play dodgeball. And uh, some of you might remember those days. And so we were playing dodgeball. And as we're going back and forth, we're throwing and you're trying to dodge all this barrage of balls being whipped at your head and, you know, people screaming, you're a headhunter and all that stuff. And uh, my moment kind of starts to come as I, I see this girl that I was, uh, you know, a little bit infatuated with go running up and bend over to grab a ball 
And this big guy comes running up and he's just about to unleash on her and my heart starts bumping and I started thinking, oh my gosh, this is it, this is the moment. So I lean back and with all my might, I look at this guy and I'm like, I am about to be a hero. I'm gonna save her life. She's going to forever love me. This changes everything right now. And so I haul off and throw this ball with all my might. And in a moment of brilliance, she lifts up her head and the ball hits her right square in the face and she just gets laid out on the gym floor and my entire team is horrified. Every female is looking at me like I am a murderous villain and I'm just standing there like, well, I was aiming for him and I, and this kid just unleashes on her and hits her a second time and I think, oh my gosh, there was my moment. I am an idiot. I am an absolute loser. I did not have a moment of brilliance. And so the question I want to ask you this morning is why do we obsess over shortcomings to the point of exhaustion? Literally to the point of exhaustion. I remember just standing there trying to come up with excuses like what went wrong, why it happened, why it wasn't my fault, um, how much I love Meredith, because that's how we met. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. That's not how we met. Um, that girl ran from me. Her name's Amy. If you're watching, I'm sorry. It, it's like 20 years later, 30 years later. I don't know. <laughs> I'm sorry. But in either case, the fact is I obsessed over everything that went wrong. I was so embarrassed. I was so devastated. And I can think of countless times, quite honestly, where I just replay the moments of an encounter a day. And I just think, why did I do that? Why did I say that? The answer is actually kind of simple to the question of why we obsess over our shortcomings because it's very universal. We want to be the hero of our own story. At the end of the day, we want to be the hero of our own story. Christian or not, and I realize that both are present for listening this morning and seeing what it is that we're going to talk through. As a human, regardless of whether or not you're a Christian, you want to be the hero of the narrative that is your life. You want to look back and be proud of the things that you said, the things that you did. You want people to notice your greatest moments. Of course, the problem is we know our own shortcomings. We know all too well that we're not a hero at all. There are the public flaws, those moments that we haul off and hit a preteen in the side of the head with a ball as hard as we physically can. <laughs> There's the things that are extremely public and obvious to everyone. In fact, more obvious than we want them to be. But there's also the fact that there's private flaws. As much as we don't want to admit it, there are things that we know about ourselves that no one else knows. Our thoughts, our intentions, the desires of our heart, the, the brokenness that resides within us, the fact that we're no hero at all. More often than we want to admit, we are painfully aware of our sinful nature. Now, if you're a Christian this morning and you're tuning in, you're convicted about the sin of your life. But as humans, Christian or not, we're all plagued with that which we should have done, that which we could have done. 
We replay situations where we were less than a hero as a parent, less than a hero as a child, as a student, as an employee, as a human being. We were just less than what we wanted to be. We say things like, I wish I would have said this. We replay it in our mind like, man, if I had to do over again, I would totally do this. Some of us even play through hypotheticals in our mind of what we may do if we're given the opportunity to get up enough courage to be the hero we want to be. If I'm given the opportunity to say this, I'm going to say that. We never do. And we regret that we never do. The truth is, it's all rather exhausting. Because even in moments that we rise above the norm, in our greatest moments, in those rare, incredible moments that seem to, to transcend the moment and everything, and we, we are our greatest, we still know how flawed we are. We're painfully aware that we're in fact no hero. Although this is obvious, it's important to acknowledge. Otherwise, we tend to think that we're the only broken ones. Or worse yet, we aren't as broken as others are. It's a dangerous, dangerous coin that you can be on either side of. You see, because both are lies. Which means we're as human as the people mentioned in chapter 11 of Hebrews, the, the people of faith, this hall of faith, if you will, these people that seem to transcend in their greatest moments, the fact is they were incredibly broken and flawed. As we look at this morning's text out of chapter 12, we need to consider that the language used in the original Greek is reserved for athletes. So we, in a very real way, are looking at athletic metaphors. And we should consider the context that the author is intentionally using. So let's look together at verse 1 one more time. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by a great cloud, I'm sorry, by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Therefore, Therefore, this word is actually also translated consequently. So th this first word of chapter 12 is actually pointing back to chapter 11 and saying, consequently, based on these people's faith, by the, these people that are mentioned prior, therefore what? Therefore lay aside. Therefore we lay aside. Also uh, in, uh, translated as throw off. So lay aside or throw off. Context is saying, as an athlete, why would you run a race while carrying weights? That doesn't make any sense, right? Why in the world, if you're running a race to win, would you choose to run carrying weights? Throw them off. Throw them off. Lay them aside. This phrase, as it's used here in context, refers also to weighty clothing that clings too tight. So you can picture that for a second. Someone's about to run a race and they have heavy clothing, weights literally holding them down as they begin to attempt to, to run this race and win. What's the weight that clings to us? That the text is talking about, this thing that clings so tight that before we know it, 
we're actually entangled and it literally trips us up. The weight of the clothing that we've chosen to wear to this race actually entangles and trips us up. In fact, our ability to run the race comes into jeopardy. The weight, according to the text, is sin. Sin that we choose to run our race with, to weigh ourselves down, and we're to, we're to throw it off. Throw it off. Throw off the weights. It doesn't make sense. You can't win the race if you're running with the weight. But how? I mean, it's not that easy, right? Is it just that easy to be like, oh, sin, bad. I got it now. I'm just going to stop doing this. I'll just stop with the weight, right? It's not that easy. Why? Because it's clinging to us. That's what the text says. That sin is literally clinging to us. It means we've found identity in our sin. It's literally clinging to our core. In fact, it's comfortable. We want to run in it. We like wearing it. Maybe it's even progressed to the point of an addiction. And we can't imagine running the race without this. Like, we need to live life this way. We can't imagine life without this thing, without sin. How do we throw it off? We can't in our own strength. So are we, are we doomed to, to wear this weighty clothing, as the scripture says, as we attempt to run this race called life? What's the key to our strength to be able to do this? Well, some may be in danger of, of misreading the text here and conclude that, in fact, uh, from Abel to those unnamed which were stoned, sawn in two, killed with the sword, or otherwise afflicted and mistreated, to quote chapter 11, therefore. That in fact, it's those people, it's, it's the people that went before us, that if, if we just maybe look to them and say, hey, if they did it, then, then I can do it too. You know what? We can just kind of pull our bootstraps up and be like, you know, we got this thing licked. I mean, if they did it and they're human and they're flawed, then certainly I can throw off the sin of my life. But does, does inspiration actually transform us? No. I mean, maybe we'll adjust our behavior for a season, but ultimately it doesn't transform who we are. And does scripture even say that? Does it say that, that because of those that went before us and because of what they've done, we can change somehow? Because of their actions, we can lay aside the sin of our lives? No, it doesn't say that at all. It says, because we are surrounded by them, get this, don't miss it. Because we're surrounded by them, we are encouraged and cheered on. So we don't throw off the sin attempting to entangle us because of those that inspire us. No. Like, like a, a, a runner that's running a race in a stadium. We're being cheered on and encouraged by a host of people that have been faithful and, and their stories, they inspire us. They challenge us. As those that are cheering us on, we, we continue to run, but ultimately that's not the source of our strength. You see, one commentator said, Christianity is not a cult of hero worship. It's centered on Jesus. So we don't look to these people and, 
and worship them or find our identity in them. No, we acknowledge them as part of the audience of our life. And verse 2 says, Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Listen, we don't overcome and just throw off sin because we realize the danger of it. And all of a sudden we can separate what our identity was rooted in and just say, you know what, because other people overcame this addiction, then I will too, based on my efforts. No, listen, we have to fix our eyes on Jesus. Those listed in chapter 11, they certainly encourage and they inspire us, but they were faithful because of their farsighted faith in the prophesied Messiah. You see, those that were faithful in chapter 11 were faithful because they fixed their eyes on Jesus. You want to throw off the sin and the burdens of your life. Fix your eyes on Jesus. There's only room for one God in your life. Who is your God? Who or what are you fixing your eyes on? Think about that. You can only have one God in your life. And your God is that which you fixate your eyes on. It's kind of sobering. Jesus is described two ways here in this verse. He's described as the founder and the perfecter. The founder. Founder actually means pioneer. It means pioneer or source. I love that idea that he's the founder, the source of our faith. The Christian faith rests on the person and work of Jesus Christ. So that means this. You put your faith in anything else than Jesus Christ, and by definition, you are not a Christian. You're not a Christian. If you put your faith, your hope, if you fix your eyes on any lesser thing, you become a disciple of that lesser thing. Sounds kind of harsh, but it's by definition. He is the source. And he's not simply the source, but he's also the perfecter. Does perfecter mean that he did it perfectly? Well, he did, but that's not what it means here. Perfecter means the one that completed it or finished it. Interesting. So he is the source and the completer. He's the beginning and the end. He's the alpha and the omega. Jesus is the source and completer of our faith. Without context, this morning, this is amazing good news. And it is, in and of itself, for every Christian that would hear this. But in context, it goes a little deeper. You see, in context, it's rather profound. When we think about the athletic games, Athletes compete to win. They compete for victory. And in ancient Greek and Roman games, the winner was awarded a laurel crown, which is basically a crown of leaves, if you've ever seen that on a, on a statue or in pictures. I remember as a kid, the first time I ever saw that, like, this is this amazing athlete, and he's got this little crown of leaves. I was like, wow, that's weird. And I thought, why is he wearing that? And they're like, oh, that's what he gets if he wins. I was like, wow, that is a ripoff. It must have stunk to win things there because we get trophies now. 
In fact, you just have to participate and you get a trophy. What if it was like, hey, you win. Here's the bush you get to put on your head. Like, be like, wait, you know what? Everybody gets a leaf. It's just not fair. You a leaf, you a leaf. Everyone played. Laurel crowns for everyone. I thought, man, what a, what a ripoff because it may seem insignificant because here's the deal. It has no monetary value. And in ancient and Greek uh, athletics, it still had no monetary value. But in these societies, they were very hierarchical. They were class-based. Your status in society was determined at birth. Wherever you were born, that's who you were. Born to wealthy, you were wealthy. The child of a slave remained a slave. With one exception. One exception. People in the ancient world could only increase their social status through one thing. Victory. Winning. If you were a hero in battle or won in athletic games, you were awarded a laurel crown and suddenly you could sit with royalty, which brought about fame and a change in social class. Victory. Don't miss this this morning. You were born into sin. A human. Born into the brokenness and the sin nature of your soul desperately desiring to be the hero of your own story and yet continually letting yourself down at every turn, never able to quite live up to the hero that you want to be, destined for hell. But Jesus humbled himself and endured a cross, winning a spiritual and eternal race that you could never win. And listen, he wore not a crown of laurel, but a crown of thorns. Not so his status would be changed, but to change your status and mine. That's the gospel. Everything changes because of a victory that Jesus won on our behalf. And it's because of that, that when we fix our eyes on him, suddenly we can endure the race. We can run hard and we can throw off the sin of our life because we will not settle for a lesser God. That we would go from sinner to child of the King. Fix your eyes on Jesus because of his victory. Verse 3 goes on and says, Consider him who endured from sinner such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. that interesting? What the text is telling us this morning is that fixing your eyes on Jesus doesn't simply allow us to offload the sin of our lives. It does greater than that. It actually deals with the fact that we're growing weary and that we're faint-hearted. You see, consider him, that first part of verse 3, it means in the original text to hold up as a model and to continually look at, to constantly look at him. It's saying, fix your eyes on Jesus. And then it says, you know what? Fix your eyes on Jesus in such a way that you lift him up as the hero of your life and you constantly focus on him in every situation, in every circumstance. The answer this morning and the answer every morning is to fix your eyes on Jesus. Otherwise, the sin will entangle and you will grow weary 
you'll lose heart. You'll stumble. You'll wonder, is it even possible for me to win this race? All the while not acknowledging the fact that Jesus has already won it for you. Because he is the beginning and the end. The source, the perfecter of your faith. So let's fix our eyes on him. Let's decide to be far-sighted, to not be overwhelmed in the moment of now, struggle so hard to be the hero of the right now, and instead lift up our gaze to Jesus. To say, God, I don't know what it is that you're doing or what it is that you have intended, but I know that you're actively redeeming this situation and this circumstance right now. And so, God, I'm going to continue to press in. I'm going to continue to run because of who you are, because of who I am in you because of what you've done. We say often at Centerway that the text requires something from us, and this morning is no different. The question I want you to consider as we uh, leave and go our separate ways is this. When will I process how the gospel informs my current situation? Now, the preaching and teaching team kind of considered the, the wording of this question and, and realized that similar to last week, we could very easily be like, when will I? Mm, Tuesday. I'll do it Tuesday. <laughs> but we're not talking about the day. We're talking about challenging you to schedule, to do the exercise. And so the question is, when will I set a time side? When will I create margin in my life to say, all right, God, how is who you are and what it is that you've done informing my current situation. The church of God has been its strongest and its greatest when it's most in need, when the world is most in need. And so we have an opportunity to be the church, to be the hands and feet of Christ, to rise above and say, Lord, you're doing something here that I want to be aware of, that I want to be sensitive to. For you this morning, maybe the application looks like this. Maybe it looks like salvation to cross the line of faith, to simply say, you know what, as I process how the gospel informs my current situation, I am painfully aware of the brokenness of my life and I want to surrender my life to Jesus. If that's you this morning, it can be as simple as praying a simple prayer in the private privacy of the room that you're in or wherever you find yourself and to simply say, Lord, I'm a sinner but I know you died for my sins, that you lived the perfect life I could not live. And because of your victory, I can be a child of the living God. Would you forgive me? Be the Lord and leader of my life. That's what being a Christian is all about. That's where it starts. In fact, if you pray that prayer this morning, it begins a relationship between you and the Lord. And I would love for you to go to our next step page on our website and to consider the next step. It might mean water baptism for you to go public with the decision that you've made, or it might mean to sign up for an opportunity to be one-on-one -on -one spiritually discipled or coached. And we could even do that through Zoom if you don't have the availability to connect, or if you find yourself quarantined in the days ahead. What are the other steps that, that the Lord might be challenging you to? If you, if you say, listen, I've crossed that line of faith, I'm already there, what does application look like? Maybe this is an amazing season to detox and evaluate the things that we assign worth to. What are you worshiping? Are you worshiping sports? Because they're canceled. <laughs> are you worshiping education? Because unless you're homeschooled, you're not getting there. 
What is it that you are leaning into that you've created to be the Lord, the God of your life? Maybe now's the time to sit and say, how does the gospel inform what it is I really care about? What really matters with my one and only life? I don't know what it is, but I know that the Holy Spirit's whispering to you right now. Something that's out of alignment, something that needs to be corrected or considered. I want to challenge you to have those conversations with your loved ones, with other people, wherever you're gathered this morning, to maybe even at the the end of this, to have a conversation amongst yourselves as to what that application looks like. If you're part of a circle, prepare your heart and mind to engage in that as we'll be doing via Zoom in the coming week. Maybe for you, you sit and say, listen, I've crossed the line of faith. I continually evaluate daily what it is to align my life with Christ. What's your application this morning? What does it look like to have the gospel inform your current situation? Maybe it means sharing this link. Maybe it means living on mission in such a way that you say, you know what, I want, I want you to listen to this or another link. It's not about the promotion of Centerway or anything like that. This is about promoting the gospel. And so maybe it means another link of another message that's Bible-based and you, you just feel compelled to share it with someone that you love, someone you care about, someone that's in your sphere of influence. What does it look like to live missionally? Maybe God's calling you to, to visit someone that is in desperate need of groceries because they can't go out during the season to do that. Would we as Centerway Church be able to come and deliver completely clean and sanitized groceries to people in need? Maybe just surrender one of your most prized possessions, a roll of toilet paper. Sorry, I just had to be a little bit lighthearted there, but it's amazing. You would think toilet paper is like bars of gold in Wegmans. What does it look like for you to care for people in need, to be missional, to maybe say, hey, I want to open up my home to a family or a small group and maybe watch this message together over the next week or weeks, depending on what it is that happens in the days ahead. I just want to challenge you to consider what it looks like, to really, really consider what it looks like to apply the text to your life. So I'm going to pray and close, provide opportunity for you to reflect on that. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I'm grateful for technology and the opportunity to continue to connect with people. Lord, I pray that you would bring a peace that passes all understanding, that in the midst of maybe some hysteria, some people that are, that are just really gripped by fear, that we would be people of peace that we would be people of love, that we would um, extend a helping hand where appropriate. We would be present in the hearts and lives of, of people that are in desperate need of someone that just simply loves them, no strings attached. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would be present in, in every group that is watching, every individual that might be listening or watching to this message, Father, that you would reveal what application looks like in their life and that we would be people of action. We wouldn't be simply hearers of your word, but that we would be doers. So I pray that over everyone that hears this, that they would be moved to action for your glory and ultimately for their joy as they continue to run a race farsighted because of the victory that you won. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. We actually wrap up the series next week and you're not going to want to miss it. So we hope to see you there. You're going to hear a lot more things, things that we're doing to connect, and we're excited in the days ahead to share that with you.